You're listening to an episode of Law Review Squared, the Law Review Review. It is 8 p.m. on Thursday, February 18th, 2021. I'm joined today by our panel, Shenley and Vishal and Joanne, who I'll ask to answer the f- question, what is your favorite baked good? Let's start with Joanne. Uh, pecan pie. Okay. Shenley? Uh, donuts. Nice choice. Vishal? I am so fickle. I was thinking like... Um, I don't know, an egg tart. And then Joanne mentioned pecan pie. And I was like, wait, no, I love pumpkin pie. And then Shelly said donuts. I'm like, wait, no, I love donuts. So I don't know, maybe just all of them. Okay. And I'm Tony Fernando. And I would have picked donuts, but my wife made this awesome bread today. Um, I had saffron and I'm not sure what else it was, but it was very, very good. While supplies last, you can still get a free Law Review Squared sticker by sending your mailing address to lexclava at gmail.com. That's L-E-X-C-L-A-V-A at gmail.com. We'll ship anywhere, even if you're overseas. Reminder that the opinions here are those of the panelists and do not represent the view of Penn State Dickinson Law, panelists, present, former, or future employers, or any other entity. Contents of this recording do not constitute legal advice. And now I'll turn the episode over to Shenley. Thank you, Tony. Um, <clears throat> so when we had Professor Mogill on the show last, um, he did a uh, he talked about the article that he read. He wrote about the uh, law day and the seniors and how uh, basically how imp- people cannot. It, it's hard to be impartial. Um, so I was just kind of doing a little bit of research and I came across um, a law review article about uh, social media and kind of how um some of the uh, cases that jurors have been on have been overturned because jurors have uh, spoken about it on social media or they've been um, kind of uh, disciplined by the court for posting on social media. So I thought that this might be a good article. Um, This is from, I think, almost maybe like eight years ago. So I think that probably the court has probably become more um, strict with uh, jurors' social media usage. But I don't know who plans to practice in court in front of a jury, a jury. So I just wanted to kind of get you guys' thoughts on this. So with that said, we'll just go ahead and uh, jump into it. So uh, my first question, and I'm going to ask Vishal. Um, so a defendant is entitled to a fair and open, open trial, but is that possible to receive from a jury where members are actively engaged in social media usage and may improperly be influenced by Uh, being exposed to trial details from social media. I mean, I imagine that the scope of the issue is larger, but I don't see that this issue is that different. You know, not every issue is discussed uh, immensely. Not every controversy or case would be discussed on social media. Similarly, not every case or controversy would have been discussed in a local newspaper, but uh, certain ones that are significant would be. So I imagine there would be some amount of of bias that could creep into a jury pool, and it would be more, I think, problematic once the trial had started, as opposed to, obviously, before a trial has started, before a jury has been seated, uh, people are exposed to all sorts of different uh, facts and have preconceived notions and biases. And we just this kind of in our context and competencies class as well that like people have biases right and and not all of them are bad we just discussed which pastries we're partial to um so the the like people come into jury service with biases i think it's important that decisions are made based on the facts and laws presented um but we should really work to uh, understand that like people do have these biases and the best way to solve that issue is actually by getting really diverse juries. And I'm very interested in how this conversation pans out 
um, talking about restricting people from jury service based on social media use because you know that would disproportionately I think affect young people as opposed to older people um, who would sit on jury pool. So you know there's there's a lot of considerations in place. I guess what I'm saying. Great, um, it's really insightful, uh, Joanne. What are your thoughts on that? I think that how social media is today, I think it's impossible for a juror who uses social media during like a larger case, um, I think smaller cases that aren't like super out there probably wouldn't be as big of a problem, but I feel like a huge case, um, a juror who uses social media a lot, who's been on there cannot be impartial because there's so much influence. and you may not even realize that when you're on that social media, you may look at something and scroll past it or whatever because it has to do with this trial. And you may not realize it, but you store that information in the back of your mind. So you're no longer impartial when you go back in there because you've had another person's insight on it outside of the trial. So I really think it's impossible to be completely impartial if you're a user of social media and you're on the jury. Okay. Tony, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think this is an incredibly important issue. Um, So I did a little bit of outside research um, on the topic, and I found that the uh, Judicial Conference Committee on Court Administration and Case Management issued a new uh, proposed model jury instruction in June of 2020. And I thought it was interesting that one of the things that they were concerned about now in this new this new jury instruction they have, and I'm uh, reading from it here, it says, finally, a word about ev- an even newer challenge for trials such as this one, persons, entities, and even foreign governments may seek to manipulate your opinions or your impartiality during deliberations using the communications I've discussed. And it goes on a little bit. For example, while accessing your email, social media, or the internet through no fault of your own, you might see pop-ups containing information about this case or the matters, legal principles, individuals, or other entities involved in this case. Please be aware of this possibility. Ignore any pop-ups or ads that might be relevant to what we're doing here, and certainly do not click through to learn more if those notifications or ads appears. If this happens, you must let me know. So the courts are very concerned about this, I think. And when you think about how tightly you can target social media um, advertising, to the point where you probably could arrange for a pop-up to show up on potential jurors for a case. And as Joanne was saying, you know, the subconscious picks up everything that you're exposed to. Um, This really could be a vector for for compromising the impartiality of our trials. Great point. And uh, thank you for doing that outside research. I had planned to do it, but, you know, like law school kind of got in the way and I just didn't have time to. So thank you for doing that. Um, The next question, and we'll start with Joanne, is um, the article references a trial of former Senator uh, Vince Fumo and Howard Juror posted ambiguous and cryptic messages on social media during the trial. Is it ever appropriate for a juror to post anything related to the trial during the course of the trial on social media, regardless of how cryptic or, you know, the message might be? Right. So um, in the article, it said the person like uh, posted, uh, I think on Twitter, um, big day tomorrow or like super nervous. And um, that it's very cryptic, but I still find that it's very inappropriate for a juror to be posting anything 
um, no matter how cryptic it is, no matter who is looking at that, like you can write it in your personal journal or something, but I don't think you should post it online because what if another juror is watching or whatever, um, or the person that posted guilty, guilty on their Twitter or whatever, it's someone else could be looking at that and you could wave the opinion of someone else and you're like it's just inappropriate in my opinion um and it's not very fair I don't think just in case somebody else is looking um and that could really really change the view of somebody else on the jury okay great uh Vishal what are your thoughts on that I think particularly when you're in the middle of trial, it's it's extremely inappropriate, and this should be something that judges are concerned about. And I, I'm really thinking about you know the Elon Musk factor of it all. If if you're involved in a, a trial with a publicly traded company and the results of the trial are somehow significant to their bottom line, you know it implicates a fine or it implicates some kind of regulatory oversight. A juror, you know, intimating how they think about the case is not necessarily fair to the shareholders of that company, or or could cause other kinds of issues with market regulations, right? So, uh, and that's that's like a, a financial consideration, but there's obviously other considerations as well for other kinds of trials. Um, I do think we should work towards making jury service more accessible for people and easier to engage in. Um, As I said earlier, I think it's really important to have diverse representative juries um, in courtrooms. However, uh, I think this is something that, uh, you know, judges should take note of um, and really try to impress upon jurors that, you know, maybe not Sure, you know, take a picture of your dog and send it to folks on Snapchat. But, you know, don't be talking about the case on social media. That's probably not a good idea. And I I think that should be kind of a hard line that gets followed. Great point. What about you, Tony? So so I I think that uh, both Vishal and Joanna made a good point and the article make a good point about during the trial. I do think, however, that jurors must be free to talk after the trial. Uh, about what their deliberations were. And we saw in the Breonna Taylor shooting this past summer, um, the only reason that we knew that the grand jury had not agreed with the district attorney's charging decision was because jurors came forward and said, no, that's not what happened. So after the fact, I don't think there's a problem with, in fact, I think it should almost be encouraged, at least maybe uh, in some cases, for the jurors to be talking on social media. Um, but certainly during the trial, they, they should not be. And Vishal, do you want to weigh in on that? I saw you give a couple snaps. Uh, so uh, did you want to add anything about after the trial? Do you, how do you feel about um, sharing details about the deliberation um, post-trial? Um, I definitely think that post-trial deliberation should be generally open. I mean, you'd have to give me a good reason to say it shouldn't be. Um, I mean, for the reasons, you know, Tony mentioned uh, regarding the Breonna Taylor trials uh, or the the grand jury with the Breonna Taylor um, investigation and how, you know, the prosecutors really misled the public on how they were instructing the grand jury and what they were asking for. And it wasn't until grand jury members came forward that we learned the truth. Um, I think it's really important that people, like, we maintain some way for juries to relate back what worked and how they felt about things, um, generally, especially in high-profile cases, because people 
want to know what made the difference, you know, and I think that helps give finality to stories and, and kind of helps with a sense of closure on, on topics as well. Um, that might not be appropriate in every situation. And again, like if you give me a good reason, I could see a reason to, to not, uh, to, you know, to keep a jury silent about certain issues. But I think by and large, once a verdict has been reached um, and, and, you know, the verdict is public, the jury should be allowed to speak about it. Joanne, did you want to add anything? Just that I completely agree. I feel like after after the verdict is given, after people know what the verdict is, they should know how they came to that decision. And if there is any misinformation about how they came to that decision, and just like the Breonna Taylor case, I mean, if if we know that there's lies, the jury should be able to um, call people out for those lies. Good point. And Vishal, did you want to add something else? Yeah, and I was also just thinking like in our torts class, and I think in maybe a few other classes, we did discuss about the difference between bench trials and jury trials and the difference between how lawyers feel about them. And, you know, our professors impressed upon us that uh, none of this is, is science. It's a lot of fuzzy feelings and there's conflicting uh uh, you know, words of wisdom as to uh, how judges rule versus how juries rule on fact finding and stuff like that. I think one thing that could become possible with juries speaking up more about what was convincing to them um, on social media or on other platforms is that there could be a rigorous, I mean, especially obviously after the trial is concluded, um, but there could be some kind of rigorous study into what actually moves juries. Um, and that you know, is in and of itself an interesting question uh, within the legal field. So, you know, that was just another thought that came to my head. That's great. I like how you tied it back to the substantive things that we're learning in class. So thank you for that. Um, okay, we'll go with Tony. Um, how about, uh, do you think, what are your thoughts about whether or not a um, trial judge or lawyers should ask prospective uh, jurors about their social media usage during jury selection uh, for a potential indication of how the juror's discretion with posting on social media will go? At the trial. So I'm not actually sure how I feel about this. Um, the article is kind of earlier in the evolution of social media, and they suggested that asking the jurors at this point, I think that a person is almost an anomaly if they're not using social media on their phone in some sense, um, for good or for ill, as far as society is concerned. Uh, so the question is whether or not they can uphold their oath as a juror to only consider the evidence that came out of the trial to not do independent research to not talk about the case um, once they've made that oath and i think uh, professor mcgill a couple episodes back made a good point that you know we have to trust that people will follow those oaths or else the system that we have just doesn't isn't a system it doesn't do what it's supposed to do um so i think that um you know, because the social media use is very pervasive now, um, something should be asked essentially to the effect of, are you going to be able to follow this oath? But I don't think that it needs to go much beyond that. Great, thanks. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Joanne? I think I basically agree with everything that my dad said, just because I know I, um, I'm on social media day in, day out. I don't know a single person nowadays that does not use social media. And like dad said, if there is a person that's not on social media, they're probably an anomaly and they're, no offense, probably a little weird, 
because they're not into the end, you know? Um, yeah, really, uh, everybody uses social media. I think when this was written, when this article was written, it was just, like, really starting to get rolling. So, like, maybe not everybody used it, but um, so, like, there were different expectations in the jury back then um, in the courtroom. And I think now maybe there should be, like, I don't know, I'm not sure if they have to sign an agreement or what a, a agreement or whatever, but I think some sort of like not a contract, but like a form saying, yeah, I'm not going to say anything on social media during the course of this trial. I think that might be necessary because I feel like just as the social people we are how and how we work, we're so used to posting something. And I think... There was a guy in the article that said, I posted out of habit. Yeah, people share everything online. So we, I think we just have to trust that the jury has been picked fair and square and that they're honest enough to really keep up that promise that they're not going to post anything. Right. And Vishal, what are your thoughts about that? My first thought is just how difficult of a question this is to answer for a juror, right? A jur- jurors or lay people, uh, what does a social media, what does social media mean? We had a very lawyerly discussion about whether YouTube was social media or not in Skladani's class. Hold on, and, the YouTube. The YouTube. <laughs> my, my bad. Um, but, uh, but, but for example, I mean, is Tinder social media? Is, is uh, I have an app on my phone where I, you know, can find hike routes and people will tell me where good views are or how long the hike is or whether my dog can go and I can leave notes and there is, you know, communication back and forth. Is that social media? So I, I think the question itself is such a difficult question for to answer during a voir dire pop process in front of, you know, a, a lay person, a, a juror. Um, I just don't think it's, it's a very meaningful question, particularly with, uh, you know, the rate at which these apps evolve and change and how the marketplace evolves and changes around social media. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know how meaningful of a question it is. Okay, fair enough. Um, so Joanne, what are your thoughts on whether or not it's ethical for attorneys to infringe on a potential juror's personal social media usage to have an indication of a juror's behavior prior to jury selection? All right, so this is a very difficult um, question to answer. Um, I think... A lot of people reveal their true character through social media, but I feel like in some some sense of morality, it's it, it's wrong to infringe on that person's privacy. Um, but like, I don't think it's wrong. Like, if that attorney or whatever follows that person on social media. And they, and, you know, they happen to see something that can wave their uh, opinion on whether or not they want that person on their jury. But I don't think it should be, like, a requirement for um, jurors to hand over their social media so that, like, attorneys or whatever can check before they pick who they don't want. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's ethically wrong wrong but like I don't think it's ethically right 
Right. Okay. <laughs> Tony, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think um, the reality is, is that before major litigation, you know, the lawyers on both sides are going to hire private investigators to, you know, inspect everything they can possibly find out about the potential jurors. And uh, looking at social media is just another extension of that. And if the material is out in the open and public, I, I think that you know, public means public and it's accessible. Um, but I do think I agree with with uh, Joanne that you know, jurors should not be required to, um, you know, make public portions of their social media profiles that are private um, or that the juror necessarily has any, any obligation to disclose to the attorney um, any portion of their life. Okay. Uh, Michelle, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it depends uh, very much on what the verb infringe in the question is doing, right? If if it means just looking up people's public posts, I think that's totally fair. And I mean, I, I would hope that, uh, you know, if I was represented on an important matter, my attorney was at least considering it, perhaps not doing it because I don't know if I want to pay for that, but at least thinking about it, you know. Um, so, yeah, like if it's public stuff, I think uh, it's totally fair game. Um, but I uh, particularly because of what I said earlier, like what counts as social media or doesn't count as social media, I don't know that I want to force jurors to turn over information they have chosen to keep private on internet platforms. Um, I mean, uh, just thinking about like whether Tinder is social media, is Grindr social media? Do jurors have to out themselves as possibly gay if they want to serve on juries? Um, so I think that's a, a much more difficult question to answer. If it's public information, I, I definitely think lawyers should be able to look into it, but I don't think anyone should be compelled to hand over private information. Great. Thank you. Um, so Tony, uh, should what are your thoughts on whether jurors who disobey court rules and post anything related to the trial online during the trial, um, do you think these people should be sh sanctioned by the court irrespective of how much or how little information is posted? Or do you think that this is just, uh, it, it wouldn't do anything to taint their uh, prospective outcome? So this is one where I have kind of, uh, my opinion got more complex after reading the article rather than less. Um, I think Michelle mentioned earlier that jurors are essentially amateurs or lay people um, without legal training. Uh, they're thrust into this role, this important role in society. They're told to do the best they can, and then they behave like people. And it shouldn't be criminal to act like a normal person. Um, when the author of the article did the survey of jurors, the, the two authors of the article did the survey of jurors, and they asked something like 140 jurors by question by anonymous questionnaire after trials whether or not they had been had used or been tempted to use social media only six of them out of the 140 said that they had been tempted and it was sufficient for the um the threat of sanctions from the judge not even threats meaning like you are going to be sanctioned but like the if you do this a person can be sanctioned type instruction uh was enough to dissuade them and i think that's probably true for most people because you know the judiciary is still kind of the the branch of government that still has respect within the within the populace or at least the the judges themselves do um and with that said then i think as breach um you know the, the confidentiality of the juror box 
via social media um, during the trial and the judge finds out out about it, the judge should um, apply sanctions the same as they would if the person had gone to the bar next to the courthouse and talked about the trial, you know, to random people, you know, in, in, in the public. Um, and I don't think that that always would result in like jail time or a significant fine or anything more than a stern talking to, depending on what was actually said and, and the specifics of the case. And I think social media is kind of the same thing. It's if a single post on Twitter by an account that has five followers is not going to do anything significant. But if it's a person who has 1,500 followers, um, then it becomes a, a much more serious issue. Okay, great. Michelle, what are your thoughts about this? Um, I, I agree a lot with what was said. Um, jurors are not experts. I think that when we're judging uh, what they put on social media, uh, ju- judges should keep that in their minds that jurors are not experts on what the law is, what might be related to the case, what might not be related to the case. Um, I do think that when something is obviously unacceptable, there should be something done. I don't think, you know, I don't advocate for anyone on a jury being thrown into prison for any reason. Um, But, but, you know, if, if jurors are are uh, blabbermouthing about the details of the case or what they think about it um, on social media, I think judges should excuse them from the jury and seat someone. And that's why we have alternate jurors. Um, but we should like, you know, when we're considering uh, what qualifies as a disqualifying post, we should keep in mind that jurors are are not lawyers. They don't have legal training. Uh, they might not appreciate completely what it is that was just said. Uh, in the past, these musings that might be tweeted would have been, I don't know, told to a spouse or a significant other or maybe mentioned to a dog on a stroll and other people would have heard it, right? Like, uh, so, so it's not like it's somehow unique now uh, people have always had musings about their day, and they're always compelled to share them with people. My family knows that very well about me. Um, but uh, it, it really is just, you know, what is the nature of the comment? Does it cross the line where it is tampering with the, you know, result the jury might render or, you know, undermining public faith in the judiciary? And if it crosses that line, then the juror should be excused. And Joanne, what do you think? Now, I think I have a much, much like stronger opinion on how harsh this should be. Um, Keep in mind that I'm also not (laughs) in law school. I'm still a high school student. Um, I'm still a child, never broken the law, don't know what court is like, no clue. Um, (laughs) I think if a juror has signed an agreement or whatever and says, I won't post, no matter how little or how much they post on about the case, if it's about the case, no matter how many followers you have or how little followers you have, I think you should not be on that jury. I don't care if you're not a professional. You have made an agreement. You've said that you will not post. So why are you posting? That's it's very wrong to me and I don't think they should be allowed to continue to be on the jury because, you know, where's the faith 
then how do we know they're being honest if they can't even keep the agreement to not post about one topic one topic on their social media i that's my opinion i think they should not just get a little tap on their hand like they're a two-year-old who got into the cookie jar they should be held accountable for what they did no matter how little it is i don't think you should like be put in jail or whatever given a fine but being removed from the jury panel i am being replaced yeah if you can't make keep that promise you don't belong on a jury panel in my opinion okay great uh so vishal um do you what are your thoughts on like in today's connected world, is it possible to actually be sequestered from information about a trial to form an unbiased opinion? I, again, I think it has to do with the nature of the trial. If you know, I'm called in for a drunk driving accident that happened 20 miles north of here in Dauphin County. Um, maybe I read about it in Penn Live, but I probably didn't. Um, I don't know that I would be going into that cold and I feel like I would be able to, you know, be a very impartial juror in that case. But, you know, trials of public significance, obviously that's not the case. And I don't think it ever has been the case. Um, we talked about in context and competencies again, the uh, uh, trial of the people who, uh, the British soldiers who did like the Boston massacre and how John Adams defended them. And I'm sorry if I got the historical facts wrong here. I wasn't a history major. So I, if I've offended anyone by misstating the historical record, I apologize. But, um, uh, but you know, people were at arms. Nobody wanted to defend these people. They were branded as traitors. Uh, John Adams went ahead and defended them himself. Uh, obviously, this was the cause de la bra, and I don't know if I pronounced that right. I wasn't a French major. major. Um, so, uh, obviously, this was something that a lot of people took notice of, and it would be hard to get a jury that hadn't heard about the case before, right? Um, so, I, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know that that's unique to this. Uh, I think we should take uh, pains to make sure jurors aren't tampered with once proceedings have started. But, you know, people form opinions about big things. Um, that's always going to be the case. I mean, just thinking about Bush v. Gore, which was a lot more recent, um, that was something that, you know, anyone in the country would have heard about if they watched the news or, you know, paid attention to the papers or even listened to the radio. Um, but it was something we, I mean, at some point, maybe a jury was seated. But, you know, like, that is that that is a, a, a situation where, like, everyone has an opinion, but we still try to find impartial fact finders. Okay. Tony, what are your thoughts? So um, I agree that there are trials that are large enough that everybody would have found, heard something about, about it in advance. Certainly things like Bush v. Gore, although I think those might have been bench trials um, throughout throughout the procedural chain. But um, it has always been an option to sequester the jury. And judges don't like to do it. It's an inconvenience for the juror. It's an expense. Um, but, you know, they've, they've had that option for a long time. I think that you can sequester the jury and say, and you can't take your cell phone with you to the hotel. Um, and that, that would be sufficient, I think, to prevent during trial contamination. Um, I also think that, that's going back to the uh, episode with Professor McGill, um, as attorneys, we don't necessarily want the person who has not heard of the case in a case that's large enough, that person would have to be, you know, almost 
in possibly dense to have not heard about the case. But uh, what we want is a person who is as an attorney on one side or the other, I think the person that we want on the jury uh, panel is the person who is likely to lean towards our side if they consider the evidence that gets presented at trial. And that, I think, it's still possible to get, um, even in the stage of social media. Joanne? I don't think it's possible to entirely shield someone, and I don't think it's possible for... Um, I don't think it's possible for an attorney or whatever to say you can't take your phone to the hotel in this day and age everybody has a phone you can't just take that everybody is always connected and even if you take their main phone or whatever they probably have a backup if like for real they 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 they're probably always on their phone so it's impossible to shield them um but if there's a, if it's a smaller case you know you probably won't have to worry as much unless they're going out of their way to look for information but if it's a large case i think it's nearly impossible to shield someone from get being like completely unbiased that you, there's n- never going to be anyone completely unbiased again Okay. Uh, so, Vishal, um, what are your thoughts on this? As a best, best practice, should judges and attorneys follow up with the jury during the trial to inquire if they have been subject to any exposure about the case via social media? Yeah, um, I, I think they should. Um, I, once again, this is just expecting candor from the jury. Uh, but at the very least, it allows for the courts to, uh, you know, collect this data and know uh whether uh, exposure to social media are occurring, uh, whether there's a pattern as to you know what kind of jurors it occurs with, um, and and they can try to consider remedial steps, um, you know, to, to try to solve that. Um, I I think it, it yeah it makes sense at the end of the trial to ask the jurors um, you know post verdict uh, if they've been um, exposed to social media uh, that would affect their. A verdict, essentially. I don't know, never having been in a trial, when you would do that in the middle of a trial, um, or if it would be appropriate to do that in the middle of the trial. But I could definitely see both the utility and the, uh, well, I guess the utility of doing it at the end of the trial. Joanne, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think it could be helpful to have that insight on whether or not some, whether or not the jury has been looking at social media. I don't think that there's uh, really time during a trial to ask the jurors if they've been on social media. Um, just because when would the appropriate time be? A quarter of the way through after after how many times being in the courtroom, after how much information they've got in the courtroom, when would it be appropriate? So I feel like at the end of the trial maybe that's probably the best time um but i think uh earlier stated um the question was uh whether or not the jurors had thought about posting or been tempted to go on social media i feel like you can't properly ask that at the end because people can't remember every single one of their thoughts and they probably 
were tempted at some point or did think about it at some point. So I guess at the end, you wouldn't get as much insight as to what was really happening. Whereas in the middle, you would be able to because people would still remember, um, depending on how long the trial is, because some trials can take forever. But I feel like it's not very practical to get that information in the middle of a trial. Tony, what are your thoughts? So, um, I think that it's appropriate for the judge to be asking the jurors, particularly when he's or she is dismissing the jurors for the day at the end of a day of of trial, or perhaps in the morning, you know, when they're coming back in to be re-impaneled after a recess. I don't think it's appropriate for the attorney to, and the reason why, um, I'm not sure if I picked this up in my extracurricular research or, or from the article, um, but there is the possibility if you are, for example, the defense attorney and you're asking people, did they look up the defendant on the internet, that what you're, the impression that you're giving to the juror is that there's something to be found about the defendant on the internet and it's bad for the case. Um, so it would be better for the judge who is, you know, this respected neutral figure to be asking rather than, you know, the defense attorney or the prosecutor um, in most cases, I think. I just have one last question. Has anyone ever served on a jury? I haven't. I have not. Um, the other two are shaking their head. Neither have I. I've been called for, you know, uh, to potentially have been on a jury, but my number's never been called. That's how I feel. I want to be called for jury. Yeah, I'm too young. I'm a child. I couldn't have been yet. My dad um, always wanted to be called for jury duty, and he didn't get called until he was like 70-something. So that's... They're going to have something to look forward to. I was really surprised uh, when people talk about jury duty as like a chore. I, yeah, like I, I really want to be called on jury duty and I don't know, sit there and just judge people. <laughs> okay. And on that, uh, we're about out of time. Thanks again to our panel, Vishal, Shanley, and Joanne. Reminder, you can find a link to the article discussed by going to lawreviewsquared.com and looking at the episode notes. Let us know what topics you'd like us to consider by twittering suggestions to at squared law. Please like, follow, subscribe, or give us a rating wherever you found this podcast. If you're a law student at any school and would like to be on a panel, feel free to get in touch. Audio post-processing by Mohammed Salim. Podcast adjourned.